I'd like to take a minute and pray for these boxes. So if you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, our church has set aside some boxes, Lord, that are being taken around the world. God, we know that the ultimate goal is that these children would come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. And God, we thank you that you will use these boxes to do that. And from here in Minneola, Lord, help us to reach them. Help everything to go great. That uh, the Operation Christmas Child would be completely successful. That they would reap a harvest. Thank you, Lord, that we could be a part of this even just a little bit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, y'all happy to be here? Uh, turn to the person next to you if you got somebody and say, I'm glad you got to see me today. <laughs> well, today we're going to start anew in First John. And if everything goes correctly, it'll be recorded and put on the website. First John, we're going to start in chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, there was a church that, that wasn't so great. You notice the title of the message? Did anybody notice that? Can you put that back up for us? There we go. What churches and Christians are missing today? Well, let's, let's talk about a small church that, that had some problems. And there was a kind of an infighting between the preacher and the song leader. And it began to spill over into the worship service. Now one week the preacher preached on commitment and how we should dedicate ourselves to service. Well, the song leader then led the song, I shall not be moved. The next Sunday the preacher preached on giving and how we should gladly give to the work of the Lord. And the song leader then led the song, Jesus paid it all. The next Sunday the preacher preached on gossiping. And how we should watch our tongues. And the song leader led the song, I love to tell the story. (laughs) Now the preacher became disgusted over this. And the next Sunday he told the congregation he was considering resigning. And the song leader led the song that morning of, Oh, why not tonight? (laughs) Now it came to pass that the preacher resigned. And the next week, he informed the church that it was Jesus that led him there, and it was Jesus that was taking him away. And the song leader sang, What a friend we have in Jesus. I just thought it was funny. I had to work it in somehow. All right. The book of 1 John is one of the five books in the New Testament that was written by John the Apostle, the brother of James. They were known as the Sons of Thunder. Now, this letter was written between A.D. 85 to A.D. 100. 1 John was written to a church or a group of churches in crisis. These churches who were being attacked by false teaching. Some individuals had once been associated with the church, had accepted heresy, and they had left the church. And after they left, they continued to spread their false teaching to the churches. They went so far as to organize and send out itinerant preachers to various different churches in the region. What was their goal? Their goal was converting those in the churches to their heresy and their beliefs. Now this created confusion and plunged the churches into crisis. So in response to this situation, John penned 1 John, and he followed that up with 2 and 3 John. 
His goal was to stop the false teaching and to bring comfort to the Christians in these churches. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Let's pray. God, we come to your word. And a lot of times we just skip over it. Lord, there's a lot going on here. And I just ask that you would help me to communicate effectively. Holy Spirit, use me, I ask. Just do what you do. Touch our hearts. Convict of sin. And help us to repent. Let your power and your strength, your mercy and your grace come into this building, into this place, and change us to be more like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Our life principle today, Christians must deal with sin. You must deal with it. Walk in the kingdom of light and remain in sync with Jesus. Our first point, Christians must be and remain in sync with Jesus and fellow believers. Look at the scripture real quick again. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, before I go on, you may want to put a finger in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. Here, John the Apostle is also known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, we find in the Gospel of John. Now, here he is testifying here to the power and the love of our Lord. In this section, he uses phrases that show us that he was an eyewitness to the events, the things that were going on, and he keeps using these phrases like, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we bear witness, which we have handled. He uses this over and over. He's emphatic in his writing that what he writes is the truth from God. And what he writes was inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
In the beginning, he says, we heard and saw and we have touched and handled. This bears witness to the fact that Jesus was not a spirit. He was not a specter. He was real and is real. Now, some were teaching in the church at that time that Jesus was not. But guess what? He is 100% man and 100% God. There's a big churchy word for that, but I'm not going to get into it. He says they handled the word of life. Is he talking about the words of the Bible? Well, no, the Bible hadn't been compiled yet. Was he talking about the Torah, which is the Hebrew Scriptures? Well, no, because they had had that for centuries. And the law doesn't bring life, but it condemns of sin. It brings death to the people. Where else do we see this language then? In the Gospel of John. Let's turn to the Gospel of John real quick. You can even make a note of it in your bulletin if you like. It will also be on the screen. Now, personally, I consider the Gospel of John to be what I call the spiritual gospel. Not that the others aren't spiritual too, but John gives us more of an insight into the spiritual underpinnings of what's going on, of the events that are there. Now, that's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but that's what I think. John 1.1, and we're going to go through 18, so stay with me if you can. In the beginning was the Word... Oh, there's that word again. And word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Oh, that gives us a hint. He was in the beginning with God, and he is the word. All things were made through him, and <clears throat> excuse me, and nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. Now he was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now John is already reminding them that the gift of Jesus is eternal life. He uses the same language here as he did in the gospel. Now, see, these churches, they would have read his gospel. They would have already had it disseminated. So he's reminding them who the word of life is. He's reminding them what he has already written, that he is 100% man and 100% God. He declares that through this scripture and his reminder of fellowship is so that they may have joy in Christ, a full joy in Christ and with one another. This gift is manifested to have fellowship with God. In other words, John's not writing to condemn them, as it may seem so as we get into this book, but so that their life may be full in Christ. We know that Jesus is life. Let me say that again. Jesus 
is life. Those who possess this life have fellowship with the other believers. And they have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Multiple times we are told to be of the same mind as fellow believers. Think the thoughts of God. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Have the same attitudes that Jesus had. Romans 15, 6 says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mind, one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.2, fulfill my joy by being completely disorganized. No, that's not what it says. It says by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And it's not talking about a Honda there. Being of one accord is being together. Ever met someone in the church who seems to be thinking other things than what everyone else is thinking. Maybe they're a little obstinate, maybe a little arrogant. Well, these kinds of people who you just can't understand how they come to some of their conclusions. Ever notice they're, they're usually always negative? Now, it may be that they do not have true fellowship with God and the believers. Oh, they're a part of the church, but are they a part of the true church? Those that have been saved and made new and been regenerate by the Holy Spirit. So what do they do? They're operating in the flesh, not the spirit. So how do, we, how do we as believers get the mind of Christ? How does it happen? Well, where else would we go but to the scriptures? Philippians 2, 3 through 11 says this, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God, also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says to let that mind, that attitude, that lowliness of mind be in us. So how do you let it happen? Ephesians 5.26 tells us that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. There's your key, washing of the water. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We find that the key was washing of the water by the word. You know, in Old Testament times, there were ceremonial cleansings that would ceremonially, religiously make you clean. And that was only but a type and a foreshadow of the events that were to come, of the cleansing that we now have in Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is the Word, and that the Word He speaks is truth, and it is life. It's about not just reading the Bible, but reading it carefully, reading it in context, meditating on the Word day and night, as David said. It's also, and this gets overlooked, reading it prayerfully. 
and with a spiritual eye that can only be read through the power of God. Luke 24, 44 says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. There's your key. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Notice he opened their eyes, their understanding. For what? To comprehend what it says. If you've never had that experience, that spiritual insight, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you need to get right with Jesus Christ today. Number one, check your salvation. John 3, 3 tells us that Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't understand the scripture to its fullest extent. And even over time, a lot of times it will just be boring to you unless you have the Holy Spirit that resides in the believer showing you. And if you've never had that experience where you have taken the word of God and you have read it, and the more you read it, the more you go, God, I don't, I don't understand this. This is great. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit gives it to you. And if you don't understand that, then you may not be saved. Number two, if it's been a while, how about asking Holy Spirit to open your understanding so that you can apply it? You ever thought about sitting down with your Bible and saying, Oh God, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open these words to my mind, my heart, that I may understand and apply it. If you've never asked that, maybe you need to, if you're sure that you're saved. James 4.2 tells us that you do not have because you do not ask. Matthew 7.7-11 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And let me tell you a little story. One Sunday morning, an old cowboy entered a church just before services were going to happen. And although the, the older man and his clothes were spotlessly clean, now in this church he wore jeans, a denim shirt, and boots. Now they were very worn and ragged. And in his hand he carried a worn-out old hat and an equally worn-out old Bible. And the church he entered was in a very upscale and exclusive part of the city. It was the largest and most beautiful church the old cowboy had ever seen. The people of the congregation, they were all dressed to the hilt with expensive clothes and accessories. And as the cowboy took a seat, the others moved away from him. No one greeted, spoke to, or welcomed him. They were all appalled at his appearance, and they didn't even attempt to hide it. And as the old cowboy was leaving the church, the pastor approached him and asked the cowboy to do him a favor. He said this, before you come back in here again, have a talk with God and ask him what he thinks would be appropriate attire for our worship services. The old cowboy assured the preacher he was going to do just that. 
Well, the next Sunday rolled around and he showed up for services wearing the same ragged jeans, same shirt, same boots, same hat, same Bible. And once again, he was completely shunned and ignored. Now, the preacher again, who was a little irritated, he approached the man and said, I thought I asked you to speak to God before you came back to our church. I did, replied the old cowboy. Well, if you spoke to God, what did he tell you the proper attire should be for worshiping in here? Well, sir, God told me that he didn't have a clue what I should wear. He said he'd never been in this church. (laughs) That brings us to our next point. Christians start to walk in the kingdom of light. You see, there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. And we're to walk in the kingdom of light. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So now John... He's going to hit him with this message. The message that God has asked him to deliver. What does he say? He says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, to you and me today, that's kind of like a duh statement for you. Well, duh. But now he's going to expand that and and talk to them and tell us and hit them where they live. He's going to break some toes, as it were, when he steps on them. If you say you're walking with and having a relationship with God, yet you walk in darkness, you are a liar. L-I-A-R. You don't practice truth. You walk in darkness. Darkness here can literally mean the kingdom of darkness. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked. Together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has unbelievers? Or has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? You know, this scripture is often used for young people before they get married. Hey, if they're not Christian, you don't need to be marrying them. That's a good position. Let me tell you something else. That ain't just about marriage. Why, why would we be unequally yoked together with unbelievers? Do you know what was happening in the Second Corinthian church? Or, or I mean the Corinthian church in, in the book of Second Corinthians? Believers in God, of God, saved, were going to the pagan temples and participating in the worship because their friends went there. Folks, I'd rather be where God is than God is not. Folks, I'd rather be here than on the corner in some church called the Frozen Chosen. I'd rather be where God is than God is not. What communion do believers have with unbelievers? What communion does righteousness have with lawlessness? If you know someone in the church who's walking in outright rebellion, have we seen that before? We've seen it in other books that we've studied. We're to have nothing to do with them according to church discipline. 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named 
A brother who is sexually immoral, a covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Do you know any busybodies, or have you known any busybodies in your life? Known any gossips? Are you one of them? Maybe you need to repent. I hope not. I don't want to know about it. Well, we're supposed to have nothing to do with them if they continue to walk in out-and-out rebellion toward God. Do you know someone who claims to be a Christian and yet lives in, in immorality or drunkenness or is a swindler and they take people for their money? Again, the Scripture says, have nothing to do with them if they claim the name of Christ. A good example of this is someone who claims the name of Christ, yet they go out and party on a Friday night, get drunk at the local bar, and then they show up on church on Sunday acting like nothing's wrong. They have no conscience. They don't, they don't have any conviction about it. Folks, there's something wrong if that's happening. That shouldn't be happening. Yet it's happening every weekend in churches all across America. I'm not talking about those who say they're unbelievers. I'm talking about those who say that they are believers. However, if someone's walking in the light, then what? They have fellowship with us and they have fellowship with God. And you can tell. All sin is washed away. Our lives will show the fruit of forgiveness. Our lives will show us becoming more and more like Christ on a daily basis. Now, we've talked about the fruit before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But notice that there's one fruit. What is the fruit that has grown through the power of the Holy Spirit that just kind of pours out of you when you're with God? Well, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's walk in the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the enemy of our souls, folks. Imagine a scenario with me. Close your eyes for a minute and imagine this. You're lost in a big old forest. It's cloudy out. It's at night. The moon isn't giving you any light. You don't have your smartphone or flashlight. It's so dark that you can't even see your hand in front of your face. There is simply no light to be found. Now you're wandering through this dark forest. You've traveled so far that you've forgotten which direction you've come from. You're getting a little scared. But suddenly off in the distance appears a man making his way through the forest with his flashlight. Now, knowing that he may be able to help, you carefully make your way to him. And upon meeting the man with the flashlight, he instructs you that he is very familiar with the forest and that he's able to help you navigate out of this forest back to your house. All that you must do is follow him as he shines his light for you to see. The question I want to ask you is, would you follow this man who is able to give you light or will you continue to walk in the darkness though you know that the man with the light could lead you home? So it is with our walk with Christ. Our knowledge of the light will do us no good unless we follow the light, unless we walk in the light of God. 
How about you today? You can open your eyes. Are you following in that light? Next point. Christians must deal with sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Let that sink in a minute. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. You ever met a Christian who refuses to apologize for anything wrong they did or the harm they've caused? They, in essence, say they have no sin. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's very rare someone will out and out say they have no sin. But I've heard of some people who have said this openly. I could name a name, and you probably know who it is. Oral Roberts said he does not sin anymore, or he did. Humans, even saved ones, have the ability to be self-deceived. Even when it's pointed out to us, we, we don't want to believe it. And the only way around that is to spend time in the Word of God, prayer, and asking the Holy Spirit to show us our sins, or where we may be deceiving ourselves. Others can try to point it out, but unless you're doing these things, unless you're open to others pointing these things out, you're not going to listen to them. You need the Holy Spirit to point it out to you. Ask Him to do it. Now, the promise is then given where sin is found, that if we confess our sins, He will forgive us our sins. But not just forgive sins. He will forgive us all our sins. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that's got major implications for our lives. You see, the sin is not just covered over. It's not just put out of sight. It's taken away. It's destroyed as far as the east is from the west. Think about it this way. If someone in that day had leprosy, they were considered not only religiously defiled, socially they were defiled, they were thrown out and literally left to rot. They could not participate in normal society. There was no cure for it at that time. Body parts would fall off. That is what sin does to us spiritually. But God not only forgave us, but He cleanses us. He makes it disappear. And that was the point of the coming of Jesus, to take our place on the cross, to rid us from something far greater than leprosy, and that is sin. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you ever want to pay. But God came and took on flesh to forgive us and cleanse us, to restore us. Not only that, but He came to dwell within us. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He not only restores back to the cleanliness and, and spiritually speaking, as it was in the days of Adam before there was sin in the world, but He also gives us the Holy Spirit into our hearts as a seal, a promise that we belong to God both now and forever. There are those out there who have no conscience, as we, as we would like to say today, or who won't admit that they have any sin issues. They'll say they've not done anything. You'll find this in the so-called atheist movement. 
They'll say, well, if it's true for you, that's good for you, but it doesn't apply to me. It's not true for me. They say truth is relative. You know what that makes them? Liars. Because when you're going down on the plane, they ain't going to say, well, my truth is good. No, who are they calling out to? They're calling out to God. Oh, God! That's what happens. By the way, there could never be a true atheist. Let me just share this with you. Because to be an atheist, you've got to know for certain that there is no God. And in order to know for certain that there is no God, that would make you God. And you're not God. So at best, they just don't know. And when they say that all truth is relative, they just made an objective statement that all truth is relative. So that just breaks it down right there. Going back to my sermon. They don't want to be held accountable for their actions. That's what it truly boils down to. People don't like to be held accountable for their actions. That's why the Bible is such an offense to people. Because it holds them accountable for their sin. You know who else can sometimes ignore their sins? Christians. We sure can. Why? Because we don't want to admit we're wrong. We've got a problem today in the churches and in America. So-called men and women of God living in open sin, yet trying to lead a church. The bigger problem is that Christians are letting them. They say they have no sin, so now they just do what they want because their churches didn't bring church discipline on them. You know what? They make God out to be a liar. I can tell you right now, there's a big church. Oh, about 15 years ago, well, let me see, 15 years ago, they had, they, their pastor committed adultery, and it became known. On a Sunday night, he got up and resigned, apologized. And then there was a vote called to dismiss him. And almost 40% of the people said, we need to keep him. He did apologize, even though he was leaving his wife and marrying the mistress. There's another church that was local to Lake County. I don't know if he's still a pastor now, but he was living in the parsonage with his girlfriend. Wife had left him. And yet, we find nothing wrong with this in today's society? I know of another church that called a pastor who'd been divorced three times after he was a Christian, not before. What is going on in our churches? You know what it is? They deal with church as a job and not what it really is, a calling to shepherd the flock of God. It is more than a physical position that you do things about. It is spiritual. And the so-called Christians we have in the pews, they don't understand spiritual things because they're not born again. Unless one be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of heaven, much less go into it. Why? Because, folks, sin isn't fun to deal with. It's not fun to deal with for yourself or deal with for others. But it's necessary to judge ourselves and others that are in the church that call on the name of Christ. It's necessary. You don't hear a lot of sermons on sin anymore. We don't call sin, sin anymore. But if we are honest, then we should be. We need Jesus. We can't do church or life without Him. For the Christian, Jesus is the be-all and end-all of all things. Let us never be said about First Baptist Church of Mineola 
that God had never been in our church. 43%. I looked up some statistics, which I don't normally do, but I'm going to today. 43% of evangelicals do not believe even that the smallest sin deserves eternal punishment. 43% of those who say they're evangelicals, we're not talking uh, Lutherans, we're not talking Catholics, we're not, we're not talking even Protestants, we're talking evangelicals. The name is, in, is called evangelism. Evangelicals, 43%, do not believe that the smallest sin will send you to hell. Nearly half, that's 46% of evangelicals, say everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Yeah, you sin, but you're good, you're good by nature. Um, no. Sin is sin. The smallest one's going to send you to hell. Man is born in sin. He's not inherently good. You don't believe me, have a baby. It's all about them. They're selfish, self-centered. By nature, humans are. We're born in sin. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered through the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned in Adam, folks. In Adam we sinned. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. That means I have sinned. That means you have sinned. That means the Pope has sinned. Well, the Pope's got a lot of sin. And that means a whole bunch of sin in the world. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, guess what, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the key. Christ Jesus our Lord. Christians must deal with the issue of sin. And that's what John deals with. And we're going to see more of that as we go through the Scripture. He deals with sin. He deals with heresy. And yet, he has a way of saying, look guys, don't let them bother you. They're not of us. They were never of us. Christians must deal with sin. Christians must also walk in the kingdom of light. You think a lot of Christians are, but they really aren't. They're what I call pew-sitting Christians. You better not ask them to move their from their pew, because you'll see some sin come out then. Ain't that right? Walk in the kingdom of light. And, by, and the only way to do that is to remain in sync with Jesus. If you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not spending time in the Word, and you're not having these supernatural experiences where you know that God is in the room with you, maybe not every time, Do you understand that? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. But He does do those things. Then maybe, just maybe, you don't know Him. Or maybe, just maybe, you're not completely, completely trying to humble yourselves before a holy God. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. As the ladies come and sing. How about you today? Where are you in your spiritual journey? 
the worst thing that we can ever be, not even as Baptists, just as Christians, the worst thing that we could ever be as Christians is to be self-deceived. Make sure that you're not self-deceived in your salvation. Make sure, 100%, we are allowed to have assurance of salvation. You can have that. That just means you need to give it all to Jesus. Maybe you've gotten too comfortable. You know that pew I was talking about? It's got the, just the right wear in it when you sit down because you've been sitting there for 30 years. Yeah, maybe we're too comfortable. Maybe we're not spending enough time in prayer with Jesus. Just maybe. As we stand and sing, if you'd like special prayer, I'm up here to pray with you. If you'd like to make an altar where you're at while we're singing, you can do that. It's up to you. Ladies. Okay, let's